Good evening and welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast. Here at the Speakeasy Podcast, this is a free speaking comfort zone for individuals like yourselves to come, relax, wind down, and wind down if you need to, and discuss all types of topics such as relationships, health and wellness issues, finances, spirituality, you name it, we provide it here at the Speakeasy. I am Constance Willard, your host for the evening, and today we have with us mental health advocate Michelle Anderson Benjamin. Welcome, Michelle, to the Speakeasy podcast. Queen. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing us. And, you know, for those that may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so here at the Speakeasy, we have dedicated the entire month of May to mental illness and mental health awareness. So, Michelle, just tell the audience who you are and how you became a mental health advocate. Um, good evening, everyone. I'm um, so I am Michelle Anderson Benjamin, also known as the Fear Warrior. Um, I've been working in care for over six years. I've been a um, cancer advocate for over 10 years. And recently in 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 36. Um, so my own journey, my own personal experience inspired me to be the difference for others, um, like myself. Um, throughout my journey, I realized that there were a lack of resources for women of color, um, especially for women under the age of 40, which 40 is the age that um, we are, um, insurance pays for us to have mammograms unless you have a high risk history. And um, I just really felt out of place. So instead of complaining about it, I decided to make a difference, to be an advocate for it. So um, being working in the cancer community already, I use my personal experience and my professional experience to create the Fearless Warrior Project. And um, I'm connected with multiple cancer organizations. I've um, a care advocate for living beyond breast cancer. I volunteer with the American Cancer Society. I'm an advocate for, for the breast of us, which is the first um, inclusive black um, Black organization for women of color dealing with breast cancer. I'm also part of the Sisters Network, a chapter in New York City. I'm a member of NAMDA. Um, I'm also a certified mental health coach and advocate. I'm also a certified master coach. And my my purpose of doing all of these things and getting involved in all of these areas is because in order to create change, you have to change. You know, oftentimes we get comfortable with acceptance that it's not right, knowing that it's not fair. But at the end of the day, there's women that look like me that are being diagnosed with cancer without the resources that they need. And it's important that individuals know that just because you have cancer doesn't mean that you are, that that is your life, that your life is no longer has any purpose. Um, I'm also a mother of two. I have a 15-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. Um, and my daughter, and my son both for the inspiration behind me stepping in my within my faith and you know putting myself out there to be the voice. Um, because of my cancer and um 
ask stage one triple negative breast cancer. And just so one knows, stage um, triple negative breast cancer means that I do not have any of the components of HR positive, HR negative, or even HER2 positive factors that would be a reason why I am high risk for breast cancer. So to make it sure they really don't know why I, I, was, I have cancer. Um, so the treatments out there are very limited for myself. Um, I'm, the only real I had on the table of options were a lumpectomy, um, mastectomy, and chemotherapy. Um, and I am considered, my cancer is considered one of the most aggressive. Um, because of that, I did genetic testing and I don't have any of the traits. So my daughter has to start having mammograms at 25. So as her mom, you know, even though she is five years old, it is my job to teach her at, at even at this age, the importance of being an advocate for her health. Um, and I, at, at, you know, I speak to her on her level, but she fully understands that every night she has to check her buttons. Um, and, it, you know, as a mom, I want to make sure that she's equipped and ready to advocate for herself. Wow, Michelle, you are busy. And you know what? I admire what you are doing as far as beginning the education process with your daughter now. And that is something that we should do with our children now is to begin the education process. Once we know what our genetic traits are and the things that we are predispositioned to have because of genetics, mm -hmm. it's important that we start that education process early and really no age is too soon. So I commend you on doing that. I really do. Um, I commend you on Thank teaching you. your daughter to be aware and to be an advocate for herself. Because I'm going to tell you, if you go in the hospital this day and time and you don't have someone there who's competent to advocate for you, you're in bad shape. Yes, you are. Because healthcare has evolved. Caregivers are not the caregivers of 10, 15, 20 years ago. Everything is rushed, rushed, rushed in and out. Mm -hmm. So you really need someone advocating on your behalf. So I commend you on your efforts. And oh, wow, the things you are doing in the community, amazing. I mean, you are extremely busy, extremely busy. So I commend you on that. And so you've kind of given us some background on the things that you do and why you are a mental or why you became and how you became a mental health advocate. In your day-to-day -day work, what type of things do you see as far as mental illness, especially so, in our community? So I am in a cancer hospital in New York City, so I deal with the cancer community, but I'm also an advocate within my community. So even within my community, um, the day-to-day -day that I see is just the lack of resources for mental health. Um, uh, I, I, live in Har I live in Harlem, New York. So, um, you know, there seems to be, especially during the pandemic, seems to be uh, a decline in actual care for people with mental illness and mental health issues. And especially with the pandemic being so traumatic for everyone, not just, you know, people dealing with stuff. Everybody has a traumatic experience with this pandemic. It needs to be a great of it. So you find people have had or because they lack the resources, they're not getting the proper help. Um, things that I would normally see on a day-to-day -day basis, just random people walking around the street. Um, you know, you can tell that they need help. 
but there's no help for out, out there for them. I'm also being a mom of a 15 year old son. Um, I see kids his age, you know, they're dealing with things, but they don't know how to speak to people. They don't know how to communicate those things. And for myself, has a learning advantage. I don't call it a learning disability. I call it a learning advantage. Um, and even with him and, you know, with remote and being away from his peers and the lack of social interaction, I had to step in even during the time of me going through chemotherapy and treatment to make sure that I was a resource for him because I saw the days that he just couldn't do it. I saw the days that things were overwhelming for him. And, you know, the fact that he, you know, he's lucky enough to have a parent that pays attention. Everybody does not have that. Um, you know, there has been an increase in suicides in young kids, um, kids going through depression. Why? Because they don't have those resources. They don't have anyone to talk to. And when the parents are dealing with stuff, how can we pay attention to our children? We are also dealing with things that we are not addressing. So it's, it's uh, the need of mental health awareness and just an advocate and a coach is so important. Um, especially within, you know, I work in the cancer community and I am a, a cancer advocate and I deal with patients every single day. And oftentimes they just need someone to talk to, you know, as a, as if, even for myself, as a, pan, as a cancer thriver, um, my doctor's in charge of my medical care, but they're not in charge of my emotional and mental state. Addressing that, who's addressing those feelings of me losing my hair? Um, losing my eyebrows, having to remove my breasts, um, how that made me feel, how that makes me feel every single day. Because as of right now, I still have one breast. Um, how do, how does how does losing my hair actually put me in a mental space? Um, I just you know people tell me all the time, you're so you know, I love my hair, but they don't know the story behind this haircut is because my hair didn't grow back the way it was <laughs> before chemotherapy. So I had to make it my own. I had to look. I had to, you know, dig deep within myself and figure out, okay, Michelle, how are you going to rock this? Are you going to sit here and, and, and dwell on what you can't change? Or are you going to adjust it and make it your own? And that's what I did. But everybody doesn't have that in within them. Everybody doesn't. And, and it's not that they have it, it's that they don't know how to channel it because they just get stuck. They get stuck and they, they, they don't, they need that push. They need that encouragement to know that, you know, yes, things happen in our life that we can't control, but let's control the things that we can. How can this negative or positive, even if it doesn't look the same way that it was? Maybe it was never meant to be that way. Um, and oftentimes it's just, you know, especially in communities of us, we've always been at the back of everything. We've always been the last table and it's sad. It's extremely sad, but it's reality. And I am a firm believer that in order to create change, you have to be seated at the table. So that is why I'm also a Department of Defense Consumer Reviewer for Breast Cancer Research. Why? Because at the end of the day, they need to see more women of color speaking up to what needs to be in place for us. You know, if we're not present in the room, we don't have a voice. So I'm, I, like I said, I'm doing everything that I can in the days that God allows me on earth to make an impact and, a le and create a legacy. Because at the end of the day, that's all I have. That's all I have left to do. Um, and I know for sure that God has not put these things on my plate for no reason. Wow, wow. And you know, I like what you said. You know, you said about we're always the last and you're correct. You are correct. Our community, we're always the last when it comes to medical treatment, 
innovations because you know things are designed they do all these studies but they're not mm -hmm. based upon things that affect us and then they take those same modalities and want to apply them to us but they may not work for us all the time mm -hmm. and so you're right we need to have a seat at the table but wouldn't you also agree that if we're not given that seat that we need to create our own table would you Definitely. agree with that yes we have Definitely. to you know we're not offered a seat or invited to the table we must construct our own table to make things happen for us and so i really commend what you're doing and so how i'm going to ask you you talked about going through challenges and you know mm -hmm. as we go through things you know just like i told someone just last week you know pastors go through things as they pastor a congregation and they are there to support their members and to guide their members through tough times. But as that pastor is going through, so is his wife. Mm -hmm. And so is his family. It's a trickle-down effect. They're going through along with the pastor. It's not just the pastor. It's that whole family that's mm -hmm. going through. So how would you suggest to a mother that has no knowledge of resources, mental illness. She sees something different in her child. The school is not helping because many times they don't. Mm -hmm. They don't. You know, they write the child off as a behavior problem and that's it when really there's something else going on. So what recommendations do you have for that mother that's out there that may be listening and she knows that something is not right with her child but she doesn't know which way to turn to get the help that she needs. Um, first, I would encourage her to just stop and pay attention to her child. Um, and I say that because oftentimes as parents, we are so busy um, uh, maintaining a household and um, food on the table and, you know, making sure our child's needs are, their material needs are met. But sometimes they just need our full being in their presence. And for myself, um, like I said, I have a 15 year old son. And for me, I just, sometimes you have to be, you turn yourself back to their age. You have to take off the hat of parent and be their age. So for example, I was into anime, comic books, um, Pokemon, he's not into rap music. He's not into social media. He likes to watch, you know, Marvel movies. Um, he likes to watch, you know, um, he likes to read books about uh, uh, Percy Jackson into all of those things. And that's not necessarily my cup of tea. But at the end of the day, in order for me to get into, get into a tune with my child, I have to make it my cup of tea. So oftentimes we would sit down and watch movies and just talk. And I let him explain to me what's going on and the excitement in his voice um, of just talking. Right. And that we, I engage with him. And in those conversations, other conversations come about. And we work through, we, we start talking about things and I'll ask him about, and we'll talk about things that he goes through in school. We'll talk about things that he's struggling with. Also be present. And what I mean by be present, you know, when our children are on doing their homework, check in on them. Don't just see them able doing the homework and say, okay, they doing homework, so I could go wash clothes, so I could go cook dinner. Sit down with them and ask them, so what type of homework are you doing? Do you need help with anything? Let's watch a YouTube video on how to do this so I can learn what you're doing, so I can make sure you're doing it right and not just writing numbers on a piece of paper. 
Um, and you know, sometimes that doesn't work for every child, but you have to, you have to pay, you have to pay attention to your child and see how they function and then find a way to push yourself in the midst of it. Um, one of the other things that I do is I spend time, I have two kids, so they're in two separate groups. I make time for each kid. I do things for one kid and I don't invite the other child. Why? Because at the end of the day, they need their own time too. For example, um, I'm taking my son to his first concert June 2nd. That's his thing. He's, oh, wow. he's taking a day off of school. Um, we're going to spend the entire day with each other. And the concert's in Connecticut, so we have to drive out there. But that's his day to hang out with his parents. My five-year-old daughter, yeah, she's mad about it. Get over it. <laughs> you know, she can't She can't be a part of it. And then there's days that we take our five-year-old daughter out, and my son doesn't go. He'll hang out with one of his older cousins. And then I also make sure that he's around kids his age, but the right kids' age. You know, I make sure that I ask questions, conversations, or we just, like, I'll pull him in the room and we'll watch it together or watch something that he likes. It's just, we have to make time for our ones and for ourselves. You know, I'm a firm believer of self-care. And when I mean Self-care is the most important part of any, any type of work you do in anything. You ain't right. You can't be right for nobody else. Wow. So I make sure to take time every single day to myself. I don't set a time on when I'm going to do it because that time is not realistic. I might be 10 o'clock one day and 1 o'clock in the morning the next day. But I make sure I hold myself accountable to give myself time for just Michelle. Wow. I can say, Michelle, that you are an amazing mom. I don't see how you do all the things you do. And I know you probably question yourself sometimes at night when you finally mm -hmm. get that first minute to settle down. Lord, how did I get all this done? Because as parents, <laughs> especially mothers, our work is never done. Mm -hmm. You know, my son is 23 years old and I think he needs, well, I don't think, I know. He needs me more now than he did when he was a little though. Mm -hmm. You know, and so... You know, today we're just, you know, well, prior to me coming here, we were just hanging out. And sometimes that's what it takes, just us hanging out and just having basic, general conversations. But regardless of what age your child is, you never stop being a parent. Mm -hmm. They never stop meeting us. They never do. So I commend you again. And I think it was you at Mother's Day to send out the um, Mother's Day greeting with the lady with the cape on. Mm -hmm. I think it was you. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, I, I got that. I was like, wow, she is so correct. You know, we all deserve capes. We all do because there's always something going on. There's always a challenge. There's always a struggle. But we have to sit down, communicate and collaborate with our children to work mm -hmm. through those challenges and those struggles. We really do. Yeah. So what you're my, doing is amazing. My, thank you. My grandmother, um, my grandmother was mother of ten kids, the only child, um, and she used to always tell me, "Your kids are your blessing. In life, you got God, yourself, and your kids." Um, she used to always tell me that, regardless of whatever's going on in your life, your children are your blessing. You do right by them and God, and you'll be blessed. Everything that you do, because kids don't come into the world; they come into the world with unconditional love already instilled in them um wow. 
you know, even working, I had, um, you know, I do social work and I work with people and people in, you'd be amazed how children just want love. They have an unconditional love for parents, regardless if the parents are good parents or not. You know, even in um, abuse cases, you have kids that, parents that abuse them. And when you ask them, all they want is their parents. You know, they, 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 they have that unconditional love. And sometimes life experiences changes the mindset of the individual and changes how they function for the rest of their life. Wow. They weren't born to be, they weren't born to be angry. They weren't born to be, to be ruthless. Something happened in their life that made them that way. And oftentimes people are quick to write people off without realizing that there's a story behind action. So we have to start paying attention to the story and stop assuming that, oh, this is just how they are. No, there's a story behind the action. Mm-hmm. And how exactly. do we fix the action? How do we resolve it? Because oftentimes people just want somebody to pay attention. The simplest wow. thing, be observant. Wow. And uh, and that goes in anything, you know, um, Myself, I was on a call earlier Saturday um, with about mental health, to be a mental health um, aide, to be certified mental health aide. And we spoke. Um, I had brought up that I suffer from anxiety and I have panic attacks, especially now since being a cancer thriver. Um, at any given time, my body goes into panic mode and it's not something I can control. It's not something that I, I, I know is warming up to happen. It just happens when my heart starts beating fast. I feel dizzy. I need to take a minute. And it's because my body is in fight or flight mode. You know, we as individuals internalize so much um, and we don't take the time to just release it. So it gets stuck in there. Just because you just because you don't you don't talk about it don't mean it disappeared. It's still within you. Um, so I go to therapy every week. Um, and I, in most of my therapy sessions, I'm talking about my business and all of the great things that I do. And, and within that conversation, I start breaking down myself on why I'm doing the things that I do and how I feel by me doing the things that I do that I'm also healing myself. Um, it also allows me to grieve. I lost my dad in October and one of the reasons why I am the parent that I am is that my father was that parent for me. My father was a retired cop that worked nights just so he could be available in the daytime to take me to school. And he didn't live with my mom. Him and my mom were not together. I went to school sometimes across the street from my house. My father drove from Queens every day to take me across the street from my wow. house. Wow. <laughs> you know, and him and my mom were not together. He couldn't even stand us sometimes. But his his mindset was I'm his child, and he's gonna do what he needs to do as his as his as my dad. And he endured. He was he was mature enough to put his own personal feelings to the side to be the parent that I needed in my life, right? And by doing that, he instilled so many skills in me as a woman to know my worth, to know to be courageous, to not be scared, um, and be muzzled because I'm a female to know that I am capable of all things possible, to know that I am beautiful and worthy and that when people come to my presence, they have to meet me on my level or they have to be able to push me to my next one. And I'm settled for things that are less than my worth. And, wow. you know, for a man, for a woman, a man 
a father figure is an important factor. Yes, and a lot is. of times when you miss those things as a child, you're seeking those things in other people, right? As children, you know, we, we now that I'm, I'm myself, I instill those things in my children, but I also make sure that their dad is also doing the same thing. You know, we work together as a team to make sure that kids are equipped with the tools that they need. Sometimes that's a sacrifice that a lot of adults don't want to do. Why? Because we we are in that mindset where it's hard to focus on someone else. You know, I think and it's about removing our feelings. I think it's about yeah. the need to remove our feelings from the situation because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. it's not about us. Yeah, it's about that it's child. Not. It's about that. You know, child. that's about somebody who didn't even ask to be a part of the mix. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to take our feel. And I, I had to do the same thing. And you know, it took me a minute mm -hmm. to get, you know, to get out of my feelings about some things with my son's father. And I realized one day, you know what, it ain't about you. Mm -hmm. And so when I learned that, the dynamic changed. Yeah. And it changed for the better. And so I, I hear that you were a daddy's girl. So was I. So I'm just going to give a <laughs> shout out to all the daddy's girls on, on the night because I'm. Um, Oh, yeah. Big time daddy. I, I'm an only child, but I was a daddy's girl. My mm -hmm. mom and I were close, but I was a daddy's girl. Me too. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the daddy girls. Yes, indeed. So yes. I want to talk about, you mentioned about going to therapy. And mm -hmm. oftentimes in our community, there's a stigma associated with going to get mental health or to get counseling you know i've heard people say well yeah, that, that's not us you know we don't have mm -hmm. those issues you know we don't need to go see a psychiatrist or a counselor we've got jesus we've got prayer and we've got discipline okay and those those are good I mean, it's great mm -hmm. I mean, we need jesus in our lives but jesus put people in our lives to give us the help that we need yeah he gives us common sense to be aware of okay hey something not right here I need some help. Yes, he does. I need some help. And so talking about the stigma, what can we do to get rid of the so, stigma? So I feel the stigma starts at home. Um, you know, oftentimes people are raised that what stays in the house, what happens in the house stays in the house. Um, but also it starts at home and it starts with just allowing people to be vulnerable. Um, especially our, our black men, um, you know, oftentimes men are taught not to cry. They're not taught to show their feelings and not show to be vulnerable, but it's important that they do. And, um, for myself, I teach my, my son, my son was very young. Um, don't be ashamed to have a breakdown. It don't, it would, when people say, oh, you don't, you're not supposed to cry. You're supposed to be tough. That is him being tough. That is him being tough. Cause in order for you to grow, you have to shed. In order for you to blossom, you have to be watered. So I, I, I'm, I tell him all the time: don't ever be ashamed to be yourself. If you want to cry, cry it out. Um, but it starts at it starts at home, and it starts within our own community. You know, um, especially black men, they feel that you know they they they're armored to hold their emotions, but in reality, they're hurting. And, you know, people have a tendency to say, oh, this is, you know, this goes back to when 
we were brought over from Africa as slaves and we were we were beaten down mentally. And yes, we we can bring up historical facts and we can talk about those things because they are very important, very relevant. But we have to get into a mind space where we can't continue to hold what happened to why we don't choose to be better. We can't continue to use those situations. Yes, they are learning lessons that we have to always be aware of and, and, and we should teach our kids should be aware that this is our history. But this is not our now. We have to be different. We have in order for us to change the stigma, we have to be ready to be willing participants to change it. We have to understand that it's as a man, it's okay to cry. You're not weak. You're human. You know, people always say women are emotional creatures. Yet still, in reality, women are one of the strongest individuals on the earth. Why? Because even through our emotions, we still get, we still have to put on our armor and do the work. You know, sometimes we are the only, we are the only people that's going to get it done. Some people will try. Moms have to, you know, that, and even single fathers, you have to. There's a, there's no one after you to pick up that slack. So it's okay. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to verbalize it. Um, but I also believe um, from, and this is just my opinion, community is not community anymore. And I say that because I was raised um, in a community where everybody that was in my community wasn't my blood relative, but they took care of me. And if I didn't feel comfortable going to my mother about things, I could go to the, my neighbor, Miss Mary, about it. And she treated me just like her own. I can go to, you know, I had, I was raised with uncles in my lives and, and male figures in my life that looked out for me. You know, there were times where I'll be places and things could have happened, but it didn't happen to me because people knew, oh, that's, or oh, that's Imani little sister, or that's baby little sister, because community knew community. Nobody talks anymore. Everybody's in their own bubble and no one wants to talk. You know, and even at times when, when you were going through a challenge, your community paid attention to it. They were aware of it and they stepped in. It didn't necessarily have to be your mom or your father or someone in your house. They stepped in. Um, another another outlet that I think needs to be more relevant and more available for people, support groups. Because sometimes people don't want to feel, don't feel comfortable talking to you on a one-on-one. But sometimes sitting in that room and hearing someone else share their story. You might not be ready to talk that day, but you come back and you come back. And oftentimes you come back and then you want to talk as well. So just having those resources available to just be able to talk. You know, one thing I will say that the pandemic did do, it gave people the opportunity to connect from their household. Yes. yes. <laughs> so you have it, you know. Creative. Yes. It taught us to be creative. Mm -hmm. I agree. It really did. You know, the pandemic was a bad thing, but it was a good thing, too. It really did. It brought families mm -hmm. closer, I feel, in some instances. Um, it forced us to eat at home more versus yeah. going out, um, eating as a family around the table. You know, something you very rarely see these days is, is you know, sitting down as a family around the table eating because that's when most of the life lessons were taught and learned. Mm -hmm. That's when things were discussed. That's how I knew what was going on in your life. You knew what was going on in our life. We knew if there was a family issue we had to discuss. And I think we lost that one. We lost that one dynamic there, that the mm -hmm. end of the tear down. 
And so now we have these stigmas. And yes, things happened to us in slavery. Okay, it happened to our ancestors. It didn't happen to us. It happened. Mm -hmm. That's our history. We cannot change that. But it does not have to be our reality. And it does not have to be our future. Yep. We can change that dynamic. And each of us can make a step to do that. Yeah. Each of us. And you're right. Communities are not the same. I mean, you don't even you live around people every day. You don't even know them. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some neighbors across the street from me. They've been over there three years. Well, I know they're from Japan. I know the father's here with Hyundai. I don't know their names and they don't mm -hmm. know mine. And we've been here across the street from each other three years. Now, my neighbor to the right of me, I know her because she, she came over and extended the olive branch, introduced herself. We exchanged phone numbers. We mm -hmm. know each other. But that had to see the community. No one knows anybody anymore. It's all strangers in one spot. Yep. But we act as though we're, instead of trying to bridge that gap, we act as though we're strangers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to take in order for us to change this, the dynamic of a stigma around mental illness. It's going to take education, but it's going to mm -hmm. also take us rebuilding some of the structures that we once had in place in our communities. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah at, at the church as well. Mm -hmm. Because the church has, a, you know, it's kind of difficult. They have a hard time talking about it as well. Yeah, you know, they, they don't do, want because... to talk about it. And it needs and to be talked about. And that's the and some of it has to do with the mindset. You know, people have some individuals just have this mindset that they know everything, mm -hmm. and they don't realize that things change over time. We have to be open um, to listening to things that maybe that we're not we're not accustomed to. Um, you know, but it's this, this is what's what's happening now. You know, this is what's going on in the times. This is what's happening, and you know not having that closed-minded mindset where nope this is what this is what it is and that's all i know and that's what it's going to be no it don't work like that it don't work like that anymore you know even just today for example um i don't know if you're aware but yesterday someone went to a buff of a, a supermarket in buffalo a predominant black area 18 year old white guy shot up 10 people in a supermarket and streamed li and live and 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 um had it streaming live why he did. Do you know how triggering that is for young kids today? Especially going through social injustice during the pandemic and hearing about people that look like them being killed by cops. And now you they, they can't even go to the supermarket because they're you know, scared they're going to get shot. It's unnerving to me. You yeah, know, I wouldn't want to see that live stream. Thank you. And then the fact that this young man was just handcuffed wow. and taken out alive. When they see people that look like them being killed for less things than that, yeah. you know, as and then as a mom, you know, I I, I make sure I ha I sit down and I have these conversations with my kids because I know that they see it on TV. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ignore it. And the sad thing about it, Michelle, is you know, mm -hmm. one time I was focusing on talking to my son about these things, you know, how to communicate with the police, mm -hmm. you know, what to do if you're pulled over, you know, how to be behave and all that. But we got to teach our daughters too. Look yes. at Sandra Bland. 
-hmm. Look at Sandra May. Look at Anjanette Young. This woman was in her own apartment, minding her business, getting ready to take a shower. The police just burst into her apartment mm -hmm. and wouldn't even allow her the opportunity to get dressed. Yeah. And hauled her off to jail and come to find out she was not the one they were looking for. Yep. And these are so, things that I tell people all the time that, you know, people think mental illness is a, is a disorder that you are just born with or you have a chemical imbalance. Stuff like this mm -hmm. can bring on triggers of anxiety and panic. Right. Stuff like this can make you in a mindset of being paranoid and become an introvert. Right. You understand? Like things like this, because of things like this and, and, and the tra traumatic experience that our children have to go through and what they see, even us as adults, right? Yeah. It's, it's sad. And, you know, I'll give you like a quick example. My son, he went to a predominantly uh, middle school where he was the minority, right? And majority of the children in his class were white. And this was during a pandemic and they had a, they had, you know, they were big on social justice, but they had all of these workshops on social justice and they spoke about these, mind you, my son is the only black kid in his class. And they had a, um, a live conversation and, you know, they were talking about things and one child, his parent was a cop and he was saying, you know, people are out here rioting and they're doing only, they're messing up property and they ain't, you know, my son is very intelligent for his age and um well-spoken and we you know we educate him on things we know we let him know black history month is more than just martin luther king he knows about redlining he knows about rosewood he knows about Seneca village he knows about all of these things and um you know the guy the kid, the kid kept on saying i'm not trying to be racist i'm not trying to be racist but black people are doing this and i'm not trying to be racist and my son said and he said um um has your parents ever had to have the talk with you and he goes, what do you mean? He said, the talk of you ever got stopped by a cop. I know your father's a cop. He said, my grandfather was a cop too. And my aunt was a detective. I, I come from a family of cops. But my parents made sure that I was educated on how to have that talk if I ever got stopped. Not because I'm a child that deserves, that's doing something that I'm not supposed to do, but because of my skin color, to, for me to be prepared. And the kid did not understand what he, my son was talking about. And my son broke wow. it down to him. He broke it down to him and he let him know, this is what I was raised to be educated. For. This is what I have to be prepared in order to walk out of my house. Wow. So when you talk about things, just understand that you and I are different, but we are still the same. And a young kid kept on saying, but I'm not trying to be racist. I'm not trying to be racist. And my son said, you know what? I'm not going to say the kid's name. He said, I understand you're not trying to be racist. I understand that you're scared. I understand that your father's a cop and he goes out every single day and you are fearful that something's going to happen to him. I understand because as a young black man, I have that same fear about my own dad. So you don't have to apologize for being scared. Because I understand. Well, he also has that same fear about his own life. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, but he kept but he kept on he wanted to the fact that, you know, for as a parent, that was like oh my God moment because I was trying my best to mind my business. It was a kid conversation. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to even be there. But for a young man to realize he took it a past a racial conversation and put it on emotion of being fearful, of being scared. 
and understanding as an individual and a human that we are all the same, despite of our skin color, despite of what our upbringings are, we are all the same. And the fact that you keep, you know, you're scared because your dad is a cop and you feel that cops are not being treated right. So you have this mindset that everybody is bad because they are, are going against cops, right? And I'm and me as a young black man are telling you, no, this is why this is happening. And it's not that all cops are bad, but they are bad cops, just like they are yeah. bad individuals. Yeah. But I know it's much deeper than a color thing for you. You're scared because you and I have the same emotions. And no matter what skin color we are, we have the same emotions. Wow. And I just I started so back and I was like, I was yeah. like, okay, Mike drop. I'm proud of that young man. I'm <laughs> proud of that young man that he was able to stand strong and mm -hmm. have that conversation. But it, but after that after that conversation in that class, my son said to me, "Mommy, if it's, it's okay if I go lay down," I said, "Go ahead," because just think about the mental state of having to think why you know question. Yeah. Would I be going through this if I wasn't black? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He said, wow. Can I, I said, go ahead. And so all these things attribute mm -hmm. to mental mm -hmm. breakdown. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I often say a lot of times, each of us are about five minutes away from cray cray. Mm -hmm. All it takes is one traumatic thing to cause us to snap. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe Monday, it wouldn't bother me, but Wednesday, I may feel a certain kind of way and I can snap just like that. Yep. And so that's why it's so important that we become aware, that we educate ourselves, we take care of ourselves. And hey, it's okay not to be okay all the time. It definitely is. It's okay. It is. And it's okay to take mental health days or breaks or weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, I know since I've been out sick these past three weeks, you know, I've had several mental health days, but I'm going to need a major one when I get over this. Because, I mean, this has just been something. I'm a person I'm never sick. Mm -hmm. So this has been a challenge for me. It really has been. And so I'm going to need a big mental health break when this is over. I'm talking vacation time. Of course. I'm going to need that. And so we have to learn how to uh, prepare ourselves, how to prep ourselves, how to nourish our spirits, how to take care of ourselves, because we're required to do so much in the course of a day, and we're mm -hmm. constantly pouring into others. And if you keep pouring something that's not filled, guess what? It's going to run out. Yes, it will. It's going to run out. So we have to learn how to take care of ourselves to fill our vessels before we can fill someone else's. So Michelle, how can listeners find you if they want to get in contact with you? So um, my website, the Fearless Warrior Project LLC will be up for the next two weeks, but I can be reached at info at fearlesswarriorprojectllc.com. Um, I can be found on Facebook as Michelle Anderson Benjamin. I also have a page for the Phyllis Warrior Project LLC on Facebook. Um, I'm on IG as the Phyllis Warrior Project LLC. Um, Clubhouse for Phyllis, uh, Phyllis 36, and only because Clubhouse doesn't let you put a whole long name there. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they cap you on your name, on your letters. So it's Phyllis 36. And my cell phone number is 917-721-6302. I am a certified 
mental health coach and advocate, a cancer advocate, an educational advocate. I am also a certified master coach and I specialize in life, grief, um, motivational speaking, business and marketing. Um, I'm affiliated with a lot of different cancer organizations. So even if you're just looking for resources of, you know, a wig or financial support, I can lead you in the right direction within the cancer community of organizations that offer these resources, um, especially for communities of color. I'm a firm believer that when you know things, you should spread the word. Um, don't keep it to yourself. Blessings can be blessed and bless others. Um, uh, what else? I think that's it. Yeah, that's all my information. I'll also be starting my coaching session soon. I have some clients that I already have that's been reaching out. Um, and um, we'll be starting some support groups, virtual support groups for cancer within the cancer community. Um, like I said, I'm a firm believer that we have to address the emotional and mental state of trauma. And trauma can look at any part, any way. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be someone dealing with cancer. It can be a traumatic experience someone dealing with grief as myself. Like I said, I just lost my dad in October. So I am going through that grief journey heavy right now. And um, I am a person that believes in sharing is caring. So, you know, I can be a resource for someone just like someone can be a resource for me. Well, thank you so much for giving us that information. And just in case someone tuned in late, give us a little snippet about the Fearless Warrior Project. So the Fearless Warrior was created in 2021. Um, my goal is to help you find the fearless words within yourself. And by doing so, I'll coach you into enhancing and improving your mental and emotional state. Um, the reason behind the story behind the Fearless Warrior Project, I myself am a breast cancer thriver, diagnosed at 36. And in order for me to get through that journey, I had to channel in my superpowers and activate my warrior within myself to be able to survive the journey and the roller coaster of going through cancer treatment. Um, and that journey, I've realized that these were, these were resources that I had to find within myself. So I wanna be that resource for other individuals going through a traumatic situation to realize that you are stronger than what you think. Um, you know, there is, a, there is a goal at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes we just have to have that encouragement and that battery pack in our back to know that we will get through the storm and be able to see the rainbow soon. Wow, Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Speak Easy today. I would like to invite you back in October as we look at breast cancer awareness and all Definitely. cancers. Definitely sign me up, Queen. And all cancers that affect women. So Definitely, Queen. This has been another episode of the Speak Easy podcast. I hope the listeners were able to get some great information from this podcast. This podcast will be available on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify later this evening. Thank you so much for joining us and have a good evening. Thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Queen Constance. Thank I you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.